Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Storybox podcast. I'm really glad that you guys have decided to tune in to this episode especially because my next guest is none other than Marissa Peer. Now, there's a little bit of a story behind me wanting to speak with Marissa because if you guys have listened to past episodes, you'll know that back in 2019, I went through a very difficult time. And I especially struggle with knowing my own worth and knowing who I was and what I wanted to do, which were, they became big problems in my life. I went through a bout of depression. I almost killed myself. There were other areas of my life that I I really struggled with. And towards the end of 2019, before the story box really became the story box, I listened to one of my favorite podcasts, Lewis Howes. He brought on Marissa and they had a conversation about worth, about the fact that most of the the biggest problem that we have in society is people not really knowing that they are enough. And it really gave me a new perspective on on my life and uh, the kind of human being that I was uh, no doubt heading towards becoming. And that conversation I talk about in this in this interview with Marissa towards the end, she asked me how I had helped, how she had helped me. And I was able to tell her that from afar, her words really struck me and they got me thinking. So for those of you that don't know who Marissa is, there are a few speakers today that have a wide experience and a stellar reputation like Marissa does. She was named Britain's best therapist by Men's Health magazine, Marissa has spent over three decades treating a client list that includes international superstars, CEOs, royalty, and Olympic athletes. Her engaging and amusing talks are peppered with anecdotes from an unparalleled career in which she has helped thousands of people, including myself, to overcome profound personal issues. She's a best-selling author of five books, and Marissa's USP is that she teaches simple steps that produce dramatic and life-changing results. She seamlessly brings her one-of-a-kind therapy room techniques to the podium, leaving her audience both transfixed and transformed at the same time. When she reveals a fundamental rule that all our emotional and personal problems come from us believing that we're not enough. 
and she explains how to overcome it. So she doesn't just leave us in the lurch. She teaches us how to overcome it. The results are tremendous and dramatic. I am a personal example of someone's words like Marissa's that help transform my perspective and my emotional uh, yeah, my emotional uh, outlook towards life. Training early in, in her career as a child psychologist, Marissa earned further qualifications from the Hypnosis Training Institute of Los Angeles and many other places as well. She's been featured in many major news outlets and on podcasts, for example, on the Mind Valley one, she does an incredible job of teaching the course of how you can figure out and how you can know that you are enough. She's been doing TV shows on uh, uh, ITV News, BBC News, Channel 4 News, BBC Radio, and so many more. My friends, like I said in the beginning, I'm glad that you're here today because you are going to really get something from Marissa today. Part of the story box is really helping those that are struggling right now with knowing that you are worth something in life and in society. To know your purpose is bringing on people like Marissa to help you along the way, to give you strategies. And, and, and Marissa's story is testament of that. And I, I was really humbled and really thrilled to actually be able to sit down with her and unbox part of her story, but also the advice and the wisdom that we all need in our world today. Now, furthermore to this fact, there is no better way of knowing that you are worth something than also knowing that firstly, God loves you and he always will. He died for you. He died for me. And I think part of the big problem as well with a lot of people not knowing that they are worth something is they don't know that God loves them first. And I just want to say to you all that part of my problem was that I forgot that. And I went down the wrong path. I was running away from God. And I only just, when I, when I finally realized that, hey, I am enough because God made me to be special, to be unique, and to be the person that I am today, not because I said so, because God said so. And that is important. So before you go into this, I know there's not sort of a, a spiritual uh, message in here, but really the idea behind you are enough is a fundamental human problem. So I want you guys to sit back, enjoy this episode, if you do get something from it, share it around to anyone that you know that might be struggling with this very thing. The more people that listen to this, the better. Um, and I hope that you guys are encouraged. You can watch the full episode on YouTube uh, if you do like doing that. And um, also leave a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts if, once again, you are uh, helped in, in this respect. Okay, so without me going on and on and on, because I know this has been a long intro, but it needed to be needed to be said, okay? But let's dive into the story box and hear the wonderful wisdom and story of the profoundly special and one of my personal heroes, Marissa Beer. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm honoured and flattered to be here. The honour and really excitement is all mine, to be honest with you. Um, before we dive into, I guess, your backstory, how you got started and all the good stuff, I have one question that I love asking all my guests at the very, very start, which is, what does success look like to you? What does success look like? I think you have to love what you do. I think if you don't love it and you're good at it, it's not the same. So I'm very lucky because every day I say I do what I love and I love what I do. And I think for me, success is doing what I really love and knowing that I'm so lucky that I get to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's that's the best success. And then when people stop me in the street and go, hey, I bet you're sick of hearing this, but you changed my life. Like, I hate, no, I'd never be sick of hearing that, not in a million years. But people write to me and say, oh, you changed my life, or I lost 100 pounds, or this is the baby I thought I could never have, or I got promoted, or just I'm happy. And so that that is success. I remember, isn't it Mayor Angelou? So people don't remember what you did. They don't remember what they said, but they always remember how you made them feel. So if I can make, make people feel good, then that to me is phenomenal success. I love that. When was the moment for you that you realized that that was success? Was it this gradual thing over time for you? Or was there like this catalyst moment that sort of hits you like a ton of bricks? So many. I, I used to always quote other people, oh, this is my favorite quote. And when I started getting quoted for my quotes, it was like, wow, that's amazing. People are quoting my quotes. So I, when I was working with my clients, I used to say something, I have to get it exact, actually right, which is belief without talent will take you further than talent without belief. If you have both, you're unstoppable. And that's been quoted a lot. And, and I love that. So I think that was the first time I knew that I was successful because people would quote me back. People would write in and say, you know, your book has completely changed my life. So that was cool. Seeing my book in the window of bookstores, seeing people reading my book when I was at an airport. Um, somebody ran, followed me once through an airport. I think it was in Sydney. And went, oh, my God, I've got your book. I love your book. So that was cool. So many different times. Um, but mostly it's people coming up and saying to me or writing and saying to me, no, I took your program, read your book, followed you on, listened to you on YouTube and you changed my life. So my dad, they, I think it says in the Quran, if, if you change one life, no, actually it's in the, um, it is in the Quran. If you change one life, it's the same as changing the life of the whole world. And I know the Torah, the Jewish term says something similar. If you can change one person's life, it's the same as changing everyone's life. So I thought, oh, I'll definitely take that. I'm curious, you mentioned belief there and that quote like is, is still going around in my mind. Have you ever struggled with believing in yourself? And secondly, why do you think it's such a prevalent issue with people actually believing in oneself today? Yeah, that's a great question. Of course, I've struggled. You know, when I grew up, I was the most insecure, self-conscious kid. I thought I was hideous. I thought I was stupid. I mean, I couldn't even today and having gone through the school system being a head teacher's daughter and having a child mouth you know no baby is going to look at me I've got milk spots or I'm naked or I haven't got any teeth or I haven't got any hair and that baby next to me is much cuter so we're born with phenomenal self-belief you know I, I have a great friend called Sam Shoebox who's quite famous DJ and he's called Sammy Shoebox when he was born just a shoebox on a rubbish tip. 
cried for three days, not one day. Someone heard this noise and thought it was a cat or a dog. After three days, somebody went and lived in litter, and there he was, and he was sent American adopted. But that of attention, I'm worthy of love. And it's such a shame that that diminishes for some people really fast. It starts when people say, well, your sister doesn't get food all over the floor when she eats. Your brother, he could read at three. Look at your friend. They're so much nicer, smarter, prettier, cuter. It also starts when people say, I love you because you're good. I love you because you're, I love you because you're cute. And what we hear is, oh, and if I wasn't, you wouldn't. So it's a great shame in the Western world that we start to give these children parameters to abide by. You've got to look like that, do that, work like that. And it, it's very easy for kids to think I'm not enough. And the problem is that when you're little, you have to idealize your parents because you know that your survival depends on them liking you. And if your parents fail to meet your needs, which happens a lot, Maybe they don't, they fail to meet your need emotionally or physically. You never stop loving the parent. Children stop loving themselves. They believe it's my fault my mom doesn't. My fault my dad's always shouting. I need to step up here and get better. But because it's not your fault, it doesn't stop. And then the kid now has what's called learned helplessness. I, I, I can't change this and I'll never be able to do it. And that begins a painful lifetime of always thinking, I'm not enough, I'm not smart enough, interesting enough, intelligent enough. And believe me, there are supermodels and multimillionaires that still have that belief because it starts as a child when it wasn't your fault, but you thought it was. And now most people have no idea how to even undo that. And I certainly had that for years. So being able to teach this to a young person, how like what were your what would be your strategies around this? Like well, if you're a parent or you have any relationship with children, you're a school teacher, an auntie, a godparent, maybe your kids are in scouts or little league, it's a great thing to have kids every day go, I'm enough. You know, have them sit around and go, I'm enough. If you could just take these four little statements, I'm enough, I matter. I'm significant, I'm lovable, just the way I'm going to install them into any kid. That would make a huge difference because if every kid had that belief, then bullying would be minimized. Um, child self-harming and children wanting to kill themselves would certainly be bullied, minimized because no bully wakes up again, hey, I'm so great, my life's so great, who can I go to school today and minimize? No troll wakes up and goes, wow, I've got a great life. Let me get my laptop and see who I can diminish and put down. So if we all had a stronger feeling of self-worth, we'd feel good about ourselves. We're also good about other people too. And it's a shame this isn't being taught in schools. And it's always been my dream, my passion to get it into schools. And actually a lot of our programs are in schools now. And they all report back that it is changing bullying. It is changing children's perception of themselves because there's nothing worse than seeing a little kid who goes I don't matter mm. I'm not enough and then suddenly you've got this 16 year old teenage boy who says well I'm not worth anything mm. and it's kind of heartbreaking really I mean I see swathes in my office on a regular basis 17 year old kids I, I was working in Spain a couple of years ago with 14 children who'd all expressed a desire to kill themselves 
And I went around the room, I had them in a circle, I asked one of them, to, them to write on a piece of paper, if I could do one thing, or what was their biggest problem? Because I was going to hypnotize all 14 of them. And I needed to really have this bit of paper like that, just saying, sorry, that's a bank statement. It's just a bit of A4 paper. It just said, what do you, and they all wrote the same thing. They all wrote, I want to belong to somebody or something. And, and that was so sad that they had, no sense of self-worth. They didn't feel they were, were anything, that they mattered. Because now we compare ourselves to movie stars and sports stars and people on Instagram with perfect lives. And every day we get overexposed to totally fake images of perfection that we believe are real. Oh, everyone's got a great life, great thighs, a flat stomach, perfect hair, an amazing wardrobe, a great bad. I haven't, so therefore I'm not enough. And that, that's just not true, but it's what we feel. Mm. I mean, going to like personal experience for a moment for me, like I felt that way growing up and I don't even know, I can't even really pinpoint where it actually started. Um, but I do know from personal experience at the age of 14, I was told by a girl that I was worthless and I'd never be enough. And then by a boss that I never amount to anything in life. And that kind of got into my psyche a little bit. And then I started telling myself over and over and over again that he's, he's right, she's right. And because it came from both sides, like from a female and a male perspective, yeah. that kind of sort of shaped even more of my own identity until I had to sort of break it. Um, yeah later on in life but it is so true because i used to work with kids they used to feel the exact same way like kids used to come up to me and say oh i'm worthless and there's this one particular moment where i was working and the kid actually expressed that he wanted to kill himself and i was like what do i say what do i do for this kid like no one's ever trained really in that moment of knowing how to help but yeah, to be honest with you, Marissa, I didn't even know. <laughs> like, well, you know, it, it, here's a great thing that would help you and everyone else. We all give up our power. We go, am I okay? Do I look okay? Hey, was that okay? I gave, I gave that little speech. Was it good enough? Did I do a good job? And we wait for someone to go, yeah, you did a great job. And the thing is that if you think of words as like nourishment, if you had dry skin and you put lotion on your hands, they would get nourished. If you put chapstick on your lip you would you would ease up the dryness but you know you need words to nourish you so what you have to do and I've had many suicidal kids in my office and I realized I'd say to them look darling if I could give you an amazing dad I would do that if I could wave a magic wand and give you a loving mother who appeared to care about it, I'd do it but I can't all I can do is ask you to tell me if you had an amazing dad an amazing mother, an amazing teacher what would they say now every kid can answer that they'd go I'm so glad you're my kid. How lucky was I to have you as a kid? Being your parent is the best job in the world. You're smart, you're amazing, you're interesting, you're fascinating. That's what they would say. And so then I asked the kids to think of the words and then to start saying them themselves. You're an amazing kid. You matter. You're significant. I love you. I'm proud of you. Because when you're a kid, you don't have that many needs. Here they are. I need to feel safe. I need to feel loved. I need to feel I matter. I need to feel significant. And I need to feel that you're proud of me. That's five things. That's really it. 
It doesn't matter how much organic broccoli you give your kids. If you don't tell them you love them, you have not nourished them. Mm. You got to think of the words and then start saying them. You know, I always wanted to believe I was the favorite. I certainly wasn't, but I began when I was my twenties to go. I'm the favorite kid. I'm the favorite kid. I'm my mother's favorite. My father's favorite. It obviously wasn't true. But what was so odd is that when I began to say it, suddenly. It became true, and my both my parents started to act like I was their favorite kid. And I did that as an experiment. What was the funniest thing was that when they did it, my dad's going, you know, you've done so well, and I'm so proud of you, and look, your books are everywhere. And I was at a family event, and my brother was there, my sister was there. They didn't exist. My father just made it all about me. And I remember thinking, this is so weird. I've wanted this my whole life, and now I've got it. I don't actually particularly like it because it's very excluding the others, but also I don't need it because all the words he's saying, I'd been saying them. That's when I realized that the mind neither knows or indeed cares what you say. If you say, my parents are so proud of me, your mind doesn't go, come off it. They don't even notice you. It just sinks in. If you say, my parents really believe in me and they're so glad they had me. Even if it's not true, the mind lets in everything. Again, it's like letting in lotion. So don't start to say what you want. All of us in the audience right now, think of what the best parent, the best um, friend, the best boyfriend, girlfriend would say to you and say it to yourself. You know, I've always said to my, I always say to my husband, you're so lucky to have me. You're really lucky. And he says all the time, I'm so lucky to have you because I've conditioned him to believe that to be true. And all my friends who have great relationships, I tell my husband every day, aren't you lucky to be with me? You really lucked out when you met me. I mean, I say back and he'll say back and we, I also say, of course, we're lucky to have each other. You know, we're lucky. And when he says, I'm so lucky I found you. God, did I luck out when I met you? I say, well, I lucked out too. But you have to raise your own level of self-worth and self-value because other people will perceive you the way you perceive you. People wouldn't go, hey, I've come for this job, but I'm a bit of a loser, really. Well, you wouldn't do that. But often you think that you have to walk in a room saying, I matter, I'm amazing, I'm significant. You know, I had this interesting experience. I got engaged and I was feeling totally loved up. My husband gave me this massive rock and told me that I was the best thing in the world, which you do. But I had to go to Spain that day and I was checking in and this guy hit on me in the security line, it kept hitting on me. And it was like, wow, this I travel all the time. No one's ever done that before. He ran after me and asked me if he could have my number. And I knew what it was. It was because I felt so good about myself. I was like, oh, my husband-to-be loves me. Look at this lovely ring. And I felt so loved and so important and so wanted. I felt so desirable that I was transmitting it to other people. And this guy next to me, oh, I think I want some of that. But that happens. And, and that's not arrogance. It's the opposite of walking and going, nobody wants me. Who wants a single mother with four kids? I have cellulite. Or who wants a guy like me? I don't have enough money. And you know, that girl that said, you're, you're nothing, you'll never be anything. That, that's not true. You mustn't let in their words but you must let in yours. I'm a warm, loving person. Someone's going to love it. It's not about the numbers in your bank account, the numbers on the scale, the numbers on your birth certificate. These are just the wrappings. It's about who you are. 
And when, if you want to find love, you have to believe you're worth it, but you, it's not faking it. It's, I know I'm lovable. If you want to find success, you must say, I'm worthy of this. I deserve a position in this company. I'm smart. I'm dedicated. I'm committed. If you're going into an interview, whether that's with a company or on Tinder, you better believe you're worth it because other people pick up what you think about you. And so many of us do it the wrong way. We have the negative thought, I'm going to get caught out. I don't know how I wing this. No one's going to, I'm going to write a book. No one's going to read it. I'm going to give a talk. No one's going to come. You got to stop having those negative thoughts and have positive ones instead because it'll become real. Your thoughts are a blueprint that your mind and body work to make real. So remember it's a blueprint and make it a good blueprint. I love all that. Like there's so many avenues I, I can go down, but a few things to touch on. The first is I love how you mentioned the if you want success, you can go after it. But some people I, I find that when they do get success, they kind of get afraid that they've reached it too soon or yeah, that also impacts their, their level of identity at the same time. Like I don't deserve this. I've achieved it too, too quickly. Um, and secondly, that I want to, I want to point out is, do you believe that hurt people hurt people? And why do we have so much bullying in our world today? You know, 80% of success is mindset. That doesn't mean you don't have to work hard. But if you want success, anything, let's say, for instance, you want to write a book. Well, that's going to take a lot of work and you've got to sit down and put your book together and write it. But that's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now you have to go out there and promote that book, become a speaker, speak at events. If you want something really badly, people think, oh, well, can I just manifest it? Shall I sit on the sofa and manifest it? No, 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 no. You have to have three things. First of all, you have to believe, hey, I can write a book. I've got a story. It's interesting. That's the first thing. Then you have to learn something new, how to be a speaker, how to use search engine optimization to find out the best title. And then you have to work really hard at both the book and the marketing. Any product that you're producing or inventing, you've also got to learn marketing. You've got to learn how to speak about it. And many people don't understand that. They just think, well, I, I'll do this. So we've sort of forgotten that you do have to work hard. I always say when you do what you love, you've never worked a day in your life. And I believe that. But I also know that I actually work Incredible. I'm always writing, reviewing. I'm always doing something. So you, you have to go right back and understand this truth. Your thoughts create your feelings. Your feelings create your actions. And your actions create your events. Then you justify it by your thoughts. So let's imagine you think, well, I'm not enough. I'm not good at anything. I'm a bit of a loser. That's a thought. That's going to make you feel either immensely sad or really angry, or frustrated, or depressed. So now we've got a thought, we've got a feeling that comes from the thought. And what are the actions? Well, there are no actions. I don't ask people out. I don't go for interviews because I'm not enough. So all my behavior is coming from a feeling that's coming from a thought, which is I'm not enough. Let's take out the not and go, I am enough. I'm, I'm saying I'm not enough every day. I've got nothing to lose by switching it. I am enough. I'm going to say it, say it, say it, write it, state it, speak it. And now I notice, oh, 
I feel different feelings from that thought. And because I feel different, I feel brave. I feel ready to take risks. I feel good about myself. Now my actions are different. I can ask someone on a date, ask for a pay rise, go for an interview. My behavior is different. And I justify that because I know I'm enough. So I've done this with so many school children just taking out the knot. I'm not pretty. I am pretty. I'm not smart. I am smart. I'm not worthy. I am worthy. So peel everything back to your thinking. Thoughts come first. Thoughts become come before feelings, come before actions, come before behaviors. And so many of us go, right, I'm going to the gym and I'm changing. I'm going to work out really hard and get a beach body. I'm going to work really hard at work and get a promotion. But because I've still got the same thoughts, I'm not enough. I don't deserve it. Amazingly, 70% of lottery winners are dead broke, bankrupt in three years. Because if you get money or awards, but you have this belief, I'm not enough, they're meaningless. I mean, I always look at Heath Ledger, what a beautiful talent. I mean, I know he was Australian, but wow, in 10 things I've ever hated. That boy was beautiful, talented, funny, everything. And yet he ended up killing himself because so many people like him go into acting because they want the world to go, hey, you're amazing. But they go, yeah, no, I fooled you. And you can see that with Whitney Houston, with Amy Winehouse, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, with Kate Spade. It's like, wow. But they have everything. Actually, they don't because they never had the first bit. I'm enough. I matter. I'm significant. I'm lovable. And, and hey, I, I deserve this. It's what I call the self-destruction of talent. I'm going to get rid of it because I didn't deserve it. And that's why so many people mess up. They get a job. They get a relationship. And they mess it all up. We saw Robert Downey Jr. do that. But he came back from it. And um uh, Jim Carey too. So many people who are famous and seem to have a charmed life. They they they're no different to you and me. They wake up to thinking, oh, who am I? And gosh, you know, can I? I'm, I'm fooling everyone, but I'm not fooling myself. So it's not about what other people think about you. It's what you think about you. And when you know you're enough, it is a huge game changer. Because its strength is in its simplicity, but also its honesty and its absolute truthfulness. Mm. I think it was Jim Carrey that actually said he wishes or he he wants people to actually achieve everything they ever dreamed of for them to just realize that that's not enough. Like yeah. You've got to know that you are enough, firstly, before going yeah. after things. And yeah. uh, because you're going after things to make you enough. You know, everything you want in life, really, with no exception, is because how it's going to make you. I want to win the lottery. I want a hot body, a hot day. I want praise. Well, why do you want that? Because mm -hmm. it will make you feel good. Well, why don't you feel good? Anyway, it's still great to get those things. When you can have the feeling without having the stuff, you've already won. Mm. And so my clients are famous. Going, if I could have my life again, I wouldn't even be famous. I've actually realized I don't want that. I wish I lived in In fact, all my clients who are famous say this, and I want my child to be a nurse. I want my kid to just do something that has meaning. I've never met a famous client ever. So I want my kid to have the same level as fame as me. One of my clients who is a very famous singer, dancer, I want my kid to be a lawyer. I don't want her to go near fame. 
I, I've met very few models who want their kids to go into one. They go, oh, don't go there. No, no, no. It's so painful. Why do you keep doing this, Marissa? Like, why? What motivates you? What keeps you going every single day to help other people? Well, because it because um, keeps me, I just want it to be bigger. So you know, I started off in in England and I got a really good name for myself and I helped many people and that was a wonderful thing. But you know, there's only one of me. People would write me and go, "Hey, I'm in Sydney, for instance. You know, we brought us training to Sydney twice. So I have to say, I love Sydney." I had an amazing time staying there. People might write, write me from Texas or Hawaii, anywhere in the world and go, hey, could you help me? And there just wasn't, there's any one of me. And so it was my husband actually said, you know, you, you have to start teaching this method. And he really helped me because I was always focused on, gosh, that's a lot of work, creating my own school, my own brand, my own method. But he actually helped me so much. And together we created our TT We've trained 7,000 people all over the world, including Australia. We've taught in Sydney and Melbourne. We had such a great time. And it's really because, you know, I want to help more people. I, I want everyone should know that happiness is not a destination. You don't get on a train and arrive there. There's no terminal called happiness. Happiness is an inside job. It's when you have to wake up and go, I can choose to be happy because your problem is someone else's fantasy dream come to someone will go, hey, I'll take that problem. Your kid's keeping you up all night. I've just spent $15,000 on IVF. Your husband leaves his dirty pants on the floor. I'll pick them up. I'd love that. Your house has got problems, but I don't even have a house. Your commute takes an hour. I'd love a job and a car and money for gas. And we forget that, A, what would we have given 20 years ago for these problems? And someone else would go, that's my fantasy. You know, I, I found that when I was go to the store and go, oh, my God, it's hell in this store. Look at the line and there's no staff to help me. Then you go somewhere like Zimbabwe and think, wow, there aren't any stores and there's no food to put in the stores. And even if there was, no one has any money to buy that stuff. And then we realize, gosh, and I stand in the store with a cart full of groceries and complain. Mm. Wow. It really it sounds very Pollyanna, but it kind of puts it into perspective. And so we've trained 7,000 people in RTT. We've won tons of awards. We've got our I'm Enough program too. And what keeps me going is that, I used to get letters every day from clients going, hey, you changed my life. You saved my life. You showed me something. I'm not depressed. But now I get letters from the students I've trained showing me their letters they got from people that said, wow, I'm ever glad I came across you. And such a wonderful thing to see this method kind of having this ripple effect all over the world. And, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. And I feel very privileged too. And like I said in the intro, your work has helped me all the way here in Sydney, Australia. I love the the talk about believing in oneself because that's something that I struggled with over many, many years. And only recently have I figured it out uh, more, <laughs> more towards the, the, the better end of my life, I guess you could say, through experience and everything like that. And now I, I, I write about the difference between I am versus I do and how that relates to purpose and one's yeah. belief. Um, and it's like you even mentioned it. We've got to distinguish between it. Like who you are is more important than what you do. 
And I think culture has sort of trained us to believe that what you do, I mean, even in conversation with people, we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that sort of trains their their mind to think, because it's happened to me, if I get that job, then I'm going to be enough for society, enough for people. And even like, I don't know if you know this, but when people um, are enough and, and they are with somebody, they become 10 times more attractive as opposed to somebody that doesn't. It's always, it's always a curious thing. I've found it. <laughs> um, I'm probably, yeah, my thoughts are, are roaming here. But one question that I did have for you revolving around therapists and, and everything like that is, what do you believe separates a good therapist from a great therapist? That's a great question. So with RTT therapy, it's, it's very client driven. And there's a whole sequence where, first of all, you're becoming like a detective and you're, you're looking for clues and gathering information on why this client got to be the way they are. And then you become more like a dentist extracting all that toxic stuff. And then you become like a coder and you rewire them. But a good therapist does that with the client, not from, they don't go, well, you know, in my opinion, you do that because, because the client will go away and go, yeah, hey, I saw this therapist and they said, and the friend go, well, that's nonsense. They're wrong. So I found very early on, if I let my clients work it out and I help them, I guide them, but when they go, yeah, I never knew until this one, I'm denying myself love because my dad left when I was two, had another kid that he loves, never paid child support. And I decided I'm not worthy of love. And now I can peel it all back and understand, hey, when I was 11, my mum's husband looked at me really sexually. And that's when I became a beast because I didn't know how to handle that. I was 11. I didn't even have a language skills. But now I see that I created this whole installation to protect me. And if I had the power to create it, then I've got the power to stop it. Mm. When a client comes in with a nervous twitch or a phobia or a fear, I never go, what's wrong with it? I go, hey, what happened to you? When did this begin? What was going on? And I always tell them, see your power. You created this nervous twitch. You created this shaking. You created this. Because every illness has what we call role, function, purpose, and intention. And now you can use that power to be free of it. And so when clients come to me, I have two things I must do. I must empower them and I must free them. They must leave feeling free and empowered. And they almost always do because... I've never quite understood that therapy model that says, bring me your pain every Thursday at two o'clock and we'll discuss it. If I go to the emergency room and I've just burnt my hand, I have no need to discuss it. I don't need to build a relationship with that doctor. It's just, hey, but I mean, I had that. I was in New York some years ago and out of the blue, I went into anaphylactic shock from eating some strange prawns and I got an ambulance came and I was rushed to hospital. I was thinking, wow, I knew that I had four minutes before I wouldn't breathe because my mouth was so swollen and I was hypnotizing myself all the time, all the time. But I didn't need to build a relationship with that. It's just, listen, can you shove some adrenaline in my leg with an EpiPen and save my life, which they did. And it, I've always found it a little confusing that when you're in emotional pain, I feel inadequate, I feel unworthy, I feel depressed, I feel suicidal. 
shouldn't you get the same care you'd get if you went to ENR or the emergency room, which is basically, can you stop my pain now? Mm. And that's not to put any therapist down because therapists are good people who want to help. But it's a very strange model that says, bring me your pain and we'll discuss it because a chiropractor doesn't do that. A surgeon doesn't do that. A nurse doesn't do that. Even a massage therapist, they go, oh, you've got a painful back. I'm going to massage it and fix it and sort out your posture. So I, I thought it was a strange model that didn't really serve the person. Although I meet people who say, you know, I've been in therapy for years and it was very good for me and I like my therapist. And over time, we developed a relationship. And I get that, but I created rapid transformational therapy because people say the words rapid and therapy shouldn't go together i'm like yes they should why shouldn't they i say to all my clients look you can be over this people say it takes 21 days it takes 21 seconds to change a thought or 21 minutes to think i'm not going to tell someone i need sugar to wake up in the morning my body craves cakes no your body never goes yay just knock me out with sugar chemicals preservatives emulsifiers your body hates that so that's your mind and that's great news because you can change your mind like that. And, you know, a lot of the work I do is, again, looking at vegans who don't go, wow, today I'm going to get up and I must try so hard not to eat bacon. No bacon. I'm not I'm going to resist it. They go, this is who I am. I don't eat anything that once had a face. And you were so right when you can say, this is who I am, not this is what I do. I'm a person who puts health. I'm an Olympic athlete, so I don't eat donuts and hot dogs. I, you know, I was watching Tom, I've forgotten his name now, in the Super Bowl last week, and I was looking at what he ate every day. And he said, I don't eat gluten, I don't eat tomatoes, I don't eat dead you know, shit. He, you know, he's a machine. And he doesn't go, oh my God, those cakes are good. He goes, no. I'm a champion athlete. My body is a machine. And when you can say, this is who I am, whether it's about what you eat, what you do, the kind of person you share your life with, the way you raise your kids, the kind of job you have, if you can just say, this is who I am, it's totally different to this is what I do. So make it who you are. And then it becomes easy. It's like that song, make it easy on yourself by saying, this is who I am, mm. not what I do. Because when, when it's who you are, you become a walking, talking, living expression of I'm enough. And then it quickly stops being who you are and starts being what you do. And with all my patients, I find that they give it, they have a recording, we do a session, we unpick stuff. It's like a ball of wool that's felt together. We unravel it, straighten it out. And then they leave with a recording, but the recording will say, this is who you are. It might start being what you do, but so fast it's who you are. It's your identity. When it's your identity, it's a whole different ball game. Mm. Speaking about achievement, and I love Tom Brady, by the way, he's a legend, but your achievement for a moment, what would you say has been your greatest achievement in your life? 
Oh, that's that's interesting, isn't it? I think maybe finding my voice, you know, I've worked on several shows where I was a therapist and there was some eminent doctor. And at first it was like, oh, they're a doctor, you know, they they <laughs> have more to say than me. And I really had to learn to find my voice and go, look, you know, all your advice you're giving about count calories, that doesn't even work. It's not even true. If everyone counted calories, if everyone who ate a lot would be fat and everyone who ate a little would be thin. And it's not the way. So I think finding your voice mm. and having the courage to say, this is wrong. This is not acceptable. You know, I work with many schools and go, look, I can only tell you the truth. When you give a kid a prize, 30 kids fail. And once it was the same kid, this is gifted kid. You should give prizes for effort, not achievement, because all you do is reward the kids who are naturally smart. How does that help anyone? And so you have to have the confidence to go, this is wrong. This system doesn't work. This whole education system. You know, in, in Finland, you now go to the lessons you like. You don't have to go to Latin. What's the point? French? Well, how's that going to help me? I want to be an electrician. I want to be a, in IT. And they found that that's so different. They don't do time out. They do meditation. So praising kids and helping them grow is so much more effective than putting them down and diminishing them. But I think having the confidence to say, no, this is wrong. This whole therapy method is wrong. This whole education, the whole diet industry is wrong. Let's have low fat and tons of sugar. Well, fat doesn't make you fat. Fat's your best friend. Your brain needs for every essential fats. Hello, don't you think there's a clue in the word essential? No one says essential sugars. Oh, this has got an essential sugars, essential emulsifiers, essential colorants and chemicals. No, but fat is essential. Sugar is a complete con. And yet we're brainwashed all the time by big pharma and advertising companies and McDonald's call their food happy meals and fun sizes. like, no, there's nothing happy there. So you have to have the confidence to say, I'm sorry, but this is completely bogus. This isn't even true. You're telling people a lie. Mm. It's like that, you know, work hard, go to work, get a job, and that will make you happy, raise some kids. And then so many people are unhappy because they've been sold a complete lie. So like, here's a lie. Your school days are the best days of your life, really. But then what does that mean? It means that after the first 15 years, it's all downhill. So we, we lie to people all the time and they don't even know that it's a lie. And, and we lie to ourselves. This job is killing me. I have chronic tiredness. No, you don't. You have a little bit of dehydration. And I would say to my clients, look, if you're prepared to lie, which we all do, I've got a bum the size of Jamaica. My legs are like tree trunks. This if one more person dumps me, I would die. If my boss pulls me up again, it will kill me. Well, that's a lie. So why not tell yourself a better lie? My boss is difficult, but it's a challenge. Mm. This guy didn't love me was his loss. Everything he loved in me once, he told me all these things, but I'm so great. He didn't actually pack those in his bag when he left. They're still there. So you really got to look at how much we lie to, I'm exhausted, I could eat a horse, I'm starving. Those three statements are lies. 
it's okay. Tell yourself a better lie. Your life will change on a dime just by telling yourself a better lie. Mm. Instead of saying I'm rubbish, I'm amazing. Instead of saying I can't leave food on my plate. So, you know, I, I get full so fast and I actually really like healthy food. I've got something to offer. There's some person out there will love the very bones of me, will love who I am because that's what we fall in love with anyway. You know, having a great body doesn't last. If that made you happy, you wouldn't see all these supermodels who get dumped and are miserable. So look at how you talk to yourself. And if you're lying to yourself, which we all do, including me, mm. tell yourself a better lie and then your life will be amazing. Mm. Speaking about the diet thing for a second, I think too much of anything is a bad thing anyway. So, you know, I think you're right. Essential fats, they're good for you. So the lying thing for me, I think it's, it's good because I, I tell myself good lies <laughs> every single day. <laughs> If you don't like the word lie, decide I'm going to tell myself a story. So I was driving along with my husband recently. I was talking to him and he wasn't answering. And I said, you know, I'm now telling myself a story that you're not interested in me and you're ignoring me and you prefer your phone. And he went, oh, yeah, I'm telling myself a story that I'm trying to read this really important message and you're talking to me all the time and you don't respect me enough to understand I got to read this thing. So he and I had this great thing where I go, I'm telling myself a story. And he says, I'm telling myself a story. Because what I'm saying is I'm lying to myself. He doesn't love me because he's forgotten my birthday. He doesn't love me because he goes to bed and I doesn't even lock the front door and anyone could come in and attack me. He doesn't love me. So then I'd say, hey, I'd tell myself a story. You don't love me enough to lock the doors. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Now he locks the doors every day because I didn't go, hey, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You go to bed and leave me down here. You don't even check the doors are locked. I said, I tell myself a story that if you love me, you lock the doors. He goes, well, I'll lock the doors then. And it's a very good way to start this. Start. I'm telling myself, so who's going to love me? I've got three kids and cellulite. Well, lots of people would take on somebody with three kids. Who's going to love me because I didn't go to college? Well, neither did Tony Robbins or indeed Oprah Winfrey or many successful people. So we all tell ourselves these stories. Look at your story. Make it a better story. You know, you can't change the beginning, but wow, you can change the ending because that's the problem. No one's loved me. I've always been excluded I was kicked out of school. My dad wasn't interested. My dad preferred girls. My mum preferred boys. So therefore, whatever. Mm. And, you know, one of my clients said that she was born in Ireland. She was the fourth girl. And she remembered somebody coming up to her mother in the street. She was about two and saying, your poor husband, he's not a man. You didn't give him a son. And she went, oh this is my fault. I should have been a boy. And thus became a life of becoming very big, like a boy, very short hair, getting into mechanics and stuff that boys did to try and be the boy that would make her father a man. And that was her story. Oh, my father's not a man without a son. I should have been a son. So I better be as much of a son as I can. And when she said, well, okay, 
Here's a different story. Somebody wanted me to be a girl. The universe wanted me to be a girl, wanted me to be here. And I'm going to be the girl. I don't have to be a boy to please my father. I'm going to be a girl to please myself. In that moment, she made a decision. She lost half her body weight. She grew her hair. Her husband said, I'm so glad you finally wear dresses and don't do all this stuff like putting up the shelves yourself and so nice that you're letting me be the man. But that all began because she looked at the story she told herself, which wasn't true, but she made true and told herself a different story. Like, you know, in my family, my brother was so smart. He went to private school. My sister, so smart. I wasn't smart. I was the least, I went to a normal state school and yet they both admit I'm more successful by so much than them because I stopped telling myself the story, oh, I'm less than and I decided to go, I'm more than. Mm. And that's really important. Mm. I love all this. Like, I, could, I could speak to you for ages. I have so many more questions for you, but I do want to be respectful of your time. Um, so I'll ask you this, this is my all time favorite question, sort of wrapping up our conversation. It's a hypothetical one. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends have decided to put together a highlight film or a film, whichever one you want of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want? that film to say and to show about your life? Um, I think I'd wanted to say she changed people's lives because she made I'm Enough a global movement. It was a movement that people joined and everyone had to say it, state it, speak it, stamp it on their underwear, print it on their T-shirt, put it on fridge magnets. So if that was my legacy that I made I'm Enough global, that would be enough. I love more it. than enough. Marissa, where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about you and get to know you more? Well, if you go to marissapeer.com, we have a ton of free products. We do not ask for your credit card. Don't worry about that. We have free audios on love blocks, wealth blocks, health blocks, success blocks. They're all free. Take them, take as many as you like, give them away to other people. So marissapeer.com is where you find free products. I'menough.com is where you can join the I'm Enough. We have all these little bracelets like these that say I'm Enough. We, again, give a lot of stuff away. And if you would like to train in our TT, by the way, no background in therapy is required. We now do a six-month online training. It's amazing. Or if you want to find someone who is trained in our TT to work with you, go to rtt.com. Mm. I feel like today... And I'm on Instagram. You're on Instagram too. I'm on Instagram. And YouTube, and it's so I'm so lucky. I used to hate having such an unusual name. Now I love it because people can find me anywhere. Just search up your name and you come up. <laughs> it's great. You're, you're all over the place. You're blowing up everywhere, which is a good thing. Um, I feel like the story box really is about helping people find their worth and reach their full potential through stories, through advice, through wisdom that is timeless over the years from people like yourself. So I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come on the story box and share this timeless wisdom with everybody. So thank you so much. 
So can I ask you one question before you go? Because you've asked me so many. You mentioned that I helped you. And I'd love you to tell me, I have the time if you do, to tell me how I helped you. What did I do? What was it that helped you? Because I think that will help other people too. Mm. So I listened to one of your podcast episodes with Lewis Howes, like I mentioned in the very beginning, uh, a few years ago. And when I listened to it, the truth of, this is before I even started the story box and before I even realized my own worth. So when I was listening to you talk about what it actually means to know that you are enough and have that belief, I started doing some self-work and a lot of a lot of deep diving into traumatic experiences, my past, because my story is honestly crazy. And, and the amount of pain and trauma that I've had to go through. And I've, I realized something that I'm not a victim of that. I'm a conqueror of that. And mm. I am who I am today because of that. And that does not mean that I'm not enough because I went through that. It makes me more the fact now realize that I am worthy of love. I am worthy of hope, peace, joy, abundance, you name it, all that sort of stuff. So you were really the catalyst for me to do that even deeper dive. And this is like two years ago. So this is not yeah. that long ago. Um, and I'm only 24 right now. So I just wanted to personally thank you for that timeless wisdom for, for giving me an opportunity to listen to that advice from, you know, before even that, I didn't even know who you were. So it's like, it's an incredible thing. So that's really how you helped me. Well, that's such a lovely story. And I hope other people hearing that will also go and listen to that Lewis House. I think it's in his top 10 podcast to this day because, you know, Einstein said, simplify, simplify, simplify. My mission was always simplify therapy, give people some really work. People say, you know, love yourself. But what does that even mean? I, I don't know how to do that. And so it's very important to give people specific things. This is what you do to feel good about yourself. This is what you do to grow yourself. And this is what you do to believe in yourself. It's not enough to go, go away and love yourself. Have a little post-it note that says, life is wonderful on your fridge. You have to really affirm what it is that you want. And, and you, you have to have techniques. It's like if someone said to you, hey, here's Jamie Oliver's recipe for making chicken with lemon and basil. And if you follow those restrictions, you'll get something pretty much, we'll go, oh yeah, but I'm, I don't want chicken. I'm going to put in lamb and I'm not going to put in lemon. I'm going to put in oranges and I don't like basil. I'm going to put in sage. Well, what you get is nothing like what Jamie Oliver said. If you follow my steps as I give them to you, you'll turn out something pretty good. And so I think, yeah, I'm going to be the Jamie Oliver of therapy. Follow these steps. They're simple. They're easy. And I promise you, you'll get something equivalent to what you get in a one-on-one in a -on -one session with me because I'm giving you the steps. And I can only tell you the truth. They really, really, really work. They work fast and they work permanently. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. It starts with that person actually making the choice, which leads me to, I shared this with Tony Robbins actually, which he, I believe, appreciated, but it's my cap method. 
So I, I share with people and I actually wrote about it in my first ever book, um, which is in the process of being edited, by the way, which is pretty exciting. But it's towards, so the CAP method is C stands for choice, A stands for acceptance, and P stands for persistence. And my yeah. mantra in life, persistence is, is a quote that I have, which is be persistent to remain consistent at the things that you want in life. And yeah. what, what I was doing in the past was I was making the choice to accept my current reality and I was constantly, persistently telling myself that I wasn't enough and I wasn't worthy of anything. So that kind of led me down the road of depression, of anxiety, of trauma, of all kinds of uh, negative elements that stemmed from me telling myself and making the choice firstly. So when I decided to flip the switch, reverse engineer it, so thank you for that, that, um, that, uh, that story that you shared with Lewis, when I finally did make that choice to accept that I, I shouldn't be in this reality, then I started doing the work persistently every single day to make sure that I wasn't going back to the negative, that I was staying in the positive and I was doing whatever it took to help myself firstly and then help other people. So that was my, my cap method. And here's something I was hoping, listen, it's a free country. You can choose to be super. And if you want to wake up going, oh, my God, life is shit and my hair looks a mess and I've got my migraine, I've got my irritable bowel, <laughs> I've got my skin problem, my kids make me want to die, this can be sweet. You, you can do that. You are free to choose to be positive or negative. But what you cannot choose is what you do to your body. Mm -hmm. to yourself when you're, you could see what negative words did to your body. You would never use a negative word ever again because you can choose your language, but you can't choose what it does to you. You have no choice over that. Mm. Trust me from personal experience. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so yeah. And let's hope everyone else does now too. I hope so. And hope they hope they can learn from my past mistakes. And yeah, they can. Sorry. So thank you so much, Marissa. I really thank do appreciate you. you. Blast. Thank you so much. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom. And don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 